If you have your Westover app, I invite you to join me. You can open it up now, and if you have your electronic Bible, open it up to page 893, okay? I'd like to speak on the subject today, man overboard. This message, I believe, today is a soul-searching moment. I trust it prompts in every one of our hearts a moment to do spiritual inventory. At the end of this message, we're going to have a prayer moment. And I believe through this message, God is going to impress many people. The Spirit of the Lord is going to speak to you. And I'm going to, I'm going to invite you to hold on to what God speaks to your heart. And then at the end, at that prayer moment, that you would pray a prayer of consecration for what God speaks to your heart. Man overboard. Do you know you can be overboard and not know it? Yes. You can be going through the routine of life and have lost your grip. You can be in the, the duties of life and feel drudgery. You can be tasked with duties, but your happiness is in mutiny. You can be going through the, the everyday and not even realizing your heart. Your heart is overboard. Your heart has escaped. Your heart is somewhere else. You know, not everyone that's overboard leaves at that moment. Yes. People leave before they resign People walk out before they, they finally walk away. The heart begins to drift before the person actually leaves. One can be in the process of going overboard. Our text today is from the book of Jonah. Let me introduce him to you. Jonah was a servant of the Lord. And God spoke to him. God told J Jonah to go speak to the city of Nineveh and warn them and give them God's message. Jonah decided to go about it his own way. He said, I'm not going to do what God tells me to do. I have a different plan and I have a different agenda. So the scripture tells us that he went, bought a ticket, got on a ship, and he's going to go on a, on a Mediterranean cruise another direction. While they were en route in the ship, God will send a storm and arrest the ship. It's caught in a, in a tumultuous storm. The gales are striking the side of that vessel like armed and angry men. You can hear the timbers begin to crack. And the, the superstitious sailor said, what's going on? The gods are speaking against us. They begin to inquire who on the ship has offended the gods. Finally, Jonah was identified, and they threw Jonah overboard. He went overboard, and God caused a great fish to come and swallow him. This is the first mention in the Bible of Shamu right here. Yeah. And a great fish swallowed him. And the Scripture tells us that he was in the belly of the well three days and three nights. With that in mind, I would like to share 
with you today. And I believe the Holy Spirit again is going to deposit something in our hearts. Now I'm going to, my, my, my text is verse number 17, but hold on a moment. Let me just, let me introduce, if I can, a, a, a bit of the narrative to us. The scripture opens in Jonah and it says, And the Lord said to Jonah, Go. For every one of us, God has a go. For every one of us, God has an assignment. God is saying something for some. He's saying, go beyond where you are today. For others, he's saying, go back to school, get that degree, get, get that master's degree. For some of us, he's saying, go back to work, get back in the game. Go back to being whatever. Go, go, go back to the home. Go back to the family. There's a, there's a go that God has for us. But the Bible says that Jonah, when he heard God say go, he said no. Hmm. Which brings me to verse number three. Allow me to read it. But Jonah ran from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port and after paying the fare, note that, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I'm caught by the phrase there, after paying the fare. Who paid the fare? Jonah did. You see, God will never pay the fare for you to disobey him. There's always a price when you run from God. There's always a cost when we don't follow God's plan. If you follow God's plan, you do life God's way. God will pay the fare. But if we're ever in disobedience, we pay the fare. God will never pay the fare for us to disobey him. God will never subsidize disobedience in our life. There's always a cost when we don't do life God's way. I'm reminded of my younger brother, just a year and a half younger than I am. I remember when he was in middle school going into high school. He longed for acceptance for the, the party crowd. He, he wanted to be a part of the, of, of the peer group, the party crowd. And he found himself, found himself getting involved in alcohol and drugs. Interesting. We used to say of drugs, it'll take you on a trip. Yes, that's what, that's what Jonah did. He said, I'll go on a trip. And my brother began to indulge in this because he, he, he wanted acceptance from that crowd. You do anything long enough and you become that. I remember the day when I went to court and my brother was facing charges. I was in the courtroom that day when the gavel came down and the judge said two to ten years in the state prison. It would be one of three prison terms my younger brother would serve. I still recall, I can hear in my ears, the wail and the tears of my mother breaking out when she saw and heard what was happening to her youngest son. Yes, there's always a cost when you run from God. 
Oh, the story doesn't end there. He'll, he'll get out three prison terms. He'll marry. He'll have four kids. Two of his sons will go to prison. Yes, it always costs. God will never pay the fare when we're running from him. If I had a word for us today, it would be this. Don't buy that ticket. Don't buy that ticket. Some of us are thinking of cashing in, going another direction. Some of you are thinking about, about, about quitting counseling. Some are, some are saying, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to quit serving in ministry. COVID got me out, and it's all right. I'll just do things my way. Some of us, some of us are thinking about reciprocating to the tease and the flirt of that coworker. I'm here to say, don't buy that ticket. Hear me, don't buy that ticket. I wish somebody had spoken to my brother and could speak in his heart when he was longing for the party crowd and tell, tell him, don't buy that ticket. It is the most expensive decision you'll ever make. Don't buy that ticket. You see, you can run from God, but you can't outrun him. You can run from God, but you can't outrun him. God will chase you down. God will not give up. God will pursue. We can close the door, God, but God will knock and pound on that door. He will speak to your heart because he wants to retrieve people from that destruction. The Bible tells us in verse number four, and the Lord sent a great wind, a violent storm. What kind of a wind? A great wind. What does that tell me? God's not going to sit on the sideline and watch us go into disobedience. God will intervene. God will step in and arrest. God will interrupt. God will interfere. God will do redemptively whatever it takes to retrieve us from that path. And he sent a great wind. You've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. If you won't hear God in the wind, you'll hear him in the whirlwind. God doesn't want to speak in the whirlwind in our life. But if we won't hear him in the wind, we'll have to hear him in the whirlwind. Jonah didn't hear God when he whispered, so he was left to hear God in the shout. How do you know if you're there? How do you get there? How do you get to a point, a man that walked with God and said, God, I don't want to hear you. I'll do my own, I'll do my own thing. Jonah was, was sad. Jonah was, he was sad, S-A-D, sad, S-A-D, spiritual attention deficit. Spiritual attention deficit. He couldn't hear God in the wind. So he was destined to hear God in the whirlwind. I think about the man I pastored. Went on a TDY in Korea. His wife was here and his little boy was here. She reached out and she said, he's going through something. I don't know what's happening. I called him and spoke with him in Korea a couple times. We had, to, we had to set the time of day in which we could communicate together. 
and I was emailing, and I, and I was giving him some spiritual direction. I could tell he was in trouble, and I still remember he told me his plans and what he was doing. I, I said, don't do that. Don't do that. No, it's, I, I'm going to do it. I, I figured, all right, I'm all right. Don't worry about me. I, don't, don't do this. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. No, no. He began to say, Tommy, I, it's all right. Spiritual attention deficit. He couldn't hear God in the wind. He had to hear God in the whirlwind. That family fell apart. And that boy who was so impressionable changed him. Changed the spiritual trajectory of his life. You know, when you're in that moment, you get low. How do you know when you're low? You're saying, I messed up. Some of us were there. I messed up. I messed up. God, God can retrieve. Don't give up. No. God can retrieve. Don't give up. You're low, but you can go from low to lower. You say, I messed up, and I don't know how to fix it. You kind of get polarized at that moment. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do about it. But you can go from low, lower to the lowest. The lowest is what Jonah said in verse number 12. He said to the sailors on the ship, he said, just throw me overboard. You know, just everybody will be better off without me. And as I was deliberating and praying over this message, I just, I just felt in my heart, there's going to be somebody in the service. They're at their lowest. They're contemplating something that God's saying, don't do it. They're, they're, they're contemplating. They're saying right now, everybody would be better off if I wasn't around. You're saying you've actually played. You haven't maybe said that out loud, but you're playing that and you're thinking that in your spirit. Everybody would be better off if I wasn't around. You're at the lowest, and I'm here to tell you, don't jump ship. Don't jump ship. Don't jump ship. God can reach his hand down right where you're at, and he can redeem and change your life. Let's go on with the story. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm going to get to my message in a minute. Just hold on. I'm just introducing it right now, okay? Verse number 9. They asked Jonah, who are you? He said, I, I am a Hebrew and I worship God. I was caught by that. I am a Hebrew. I worship God. I am a Hebrew, true, I worship God, not true. You see, he used to worship God, but the day that he disobeyed God, he's no longer a worshiper. Worship is devotion. Worship is responding to God. Worship is an agreement with God. But the moment we disobey, we're not a worshiper. So here he is, he's saying, I am a Hebrew, I worship God. Half of it's true. How easy it is to live a life that's 50-50. Half-heartedness. Halfway in. Halfway out. Halfway there. We can have the title of husband but not be a husband. 
We can have the title of, of a parent and be disengaged. We can, we can have half of it, but half of it, our heart is not in it. You see, he spoke, he spoke something in the present tense that was only true in the past tense. I worship God. You did past tense, but you don't present tense. That's a past tense. How easy it is for us to state in the present tense what was only true in the past tense. We say, I'm a follower of Jesus. You used to follow Jesus. Yes, you used to be that. You used to follow God's way. I, I, I'm a servant of the Lord. You used to be. I wonder, I wonder if our post-COVID spiritual passion matches our pre-COVID spiritual passion. Some of us. Some of us, did we, we did we, when we went online with church, did we go offline with God? Hmm. Hmm. And we describe in the present tense, which is only true in the past tense. We're in dangerous waters when our spiritual life is described in the past tense. I used to be that. I used to care about that. I used to, but I don't anymore. Which brings me to my text, one verse. It's verse number 17. It's the last verse of chapter number one. From this verse, I'm going to share two thoughts with us today, and then we're going to pray. And I'm asking you to, 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 to just identify, what is God speaking to you? Are you an overboard person? Have you, are you already slipping over the side? Is your emotions, is your heart in some area with the family or, or your purpose, your spiritual life? You find yourself sad, spiritual attention, deficit, Verse number 17 speaks to us. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Just two thoughts. In fact, I can bring the two thoughts. I have them in statements, but I can bring them down to two words. The first thought is this. Now is God's time. Now is God's time. I could, I could bring it down succinctly to just say now. Now is God's time. There's two things that you do not find in the Bible, two statements. There's two statements you can read this Bible from cover to cover. There's two statements you'll never hear God ever say. God never said in his book, do it when you get around to it. And God never said, once upon a time. You see, everything that God says is in the now. How easy it is today, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure there's a few of us in the room that are too. We, we always live in either the was or the ought. I was this, and I ought to be that. I was, yeah, I used to, but I know I ought to. And you can live in the no man's land between was and ought. 
I, I, I was this. I, I know I ought to get in a life group. I know I ought to tithe. I know I ought to. And, and I said to God in, 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 in a couple years ago, I was going to do it. But COVID came along. Now we're past COVID. And I'm, now I'm talking, I won't even get to it for another two or three years. And we're living in this, this zone between was and ought. And God said, now, now, now the Lord provided a huge fish. Now God is saying, now God's intervening. God's talking to us in the now. He provided a huge fish. <laughs> I, I'm, from, I'm from New Mexico. There's no coastline in New Mexico. There are no, there are no natural lakes in New Mexico. There are no rivers. Or I mean, it's a desert area. It is the land of enchantment. If you like sand and beautiful sunsets and sunrises, but vegetation it's it's a it's a desert i didn't grow up around around lakes and streams and coastline i didn't grow up fishing don't really have much of an appetite for fish because i never grew up eating fish for us it was fish sticks and those that are connoisseurs of fish you know that's that, that, that that's an insult to fish to call you know a fish stick okay that's as far as my experience of fish was, yeah. Come, came here to South Texas. <clears throat> I've been down to the coast a few times fishing. You go down there, the shrimp boats line up, go out on the jetty. You know you're around fish territory. There's a smell in the air. You know what I'm talking about? Just There's a smell there. There's a smell about those shrimp boats and and that, that jetty that's, that's nowhere, nowhere else. Really not a pleasant smell, okay? It's not, it's not a, I wouldn't want a candle that's smell like that. How about you? Okay, I'm, that's, that, wouldn't be the, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be my flavor, okay? You, you tracking with me? I don't have fishing gear. I don't have, I, I didn't grow up fishing, but I, I have a grandson. And I took my grandson, he's a little boy, little tot, his first fishing trip. I said, we're going, to go, we're going to go fish for catfish. Somebody told me about a catfish farm. So we go, we rent poles. We, we rent the gear, buy the bait, tells us where to go, even tell us how to put it on. And we, we cast out. We're there about a half a day, you know, and I, he's wanting to play. He can't just sit there. But every time the, the, the pole bent, I said, come here, buddy, hold on to this. And I'm helping him, and we We'd roll that in, and fish is wiggling around, and I take it off the hook, and I put it on the stringer, and I said, "Buddy, your mom and daddy are gonna be so proud of you. We're gonna we're gonna have fried fish this week, and we'll, the whole family will just enjoy the fish you caught." Oh, he lit up about a half a day. He was spent. Put him in the car, drove back. He fell asleep on the drive home. Got home. I said, "I'll." put everything up I'll tend to the to the ice cooler and all that he went and told his mom we showed them pictures where you've already planned the day we're gonna have fish then everybody can eat his fish he just he feels like a superhero right then 
couple days later, couple days later, my daughter told me they got up in the morning and the whole house had a stench to it. Stunk. Something's rotten. Something, something, something's, something's wrong. Something, the whole house stunk. They're looking around. What is, you can smell, but it's in, it's in the whole house that more, just everywhere. And they're looking and looking. And finally, my grandson broke down in tears. And they knew that he, he had been up to something. What, what's going on? You're not just telling. He said, when I was fishing, I put one of the fish in my pocket <laughs> and brought it home. I want to play with it. I've been playing with it and putting the bathtub with me and playing with it. And, and then, I, where'd you put it? He said, I've been hiding it under the TV because I wanted to hold on to my, and that thing rotted and just smelled out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You, are you with me? You with me? And the Lord provided a huge fish. There will be things in your life you say, God, this stinks, but God knows what he's doing. God will do things in your life that feel unpleasant, but God in his redeeming grace, he's not going to let you sink. He's not going to let you ruin your life. And he stands on the sideline redemptively. God will use whatever it takes to pull us back in. And God provided a fish. God's doing something now. Now. I call this grace disguised. God has grace disguised in your life. And you may be asking God to take it away. And God said, I won't. This is your huge fish sent by God to get your attention. God's time is now. Second, God has the next step. There's the now and there's the next. God has a next step. Verse 17. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Hmm. I'm so glad that verse doesn't say. And Jonah was in the belly of the well from now on. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God said there's a next beyond where you're at. You're not stuck there. You're not doomed there. The most unpleasant thing, the thing you're saying stinks. The thing you're saying, I don't like. There's an end to it. God has a next for you. God has something he's going to do. You see, in the belly of the well, God spoke to Jonah. God said, Jonah, you're in the belly of the well. You're going to come out one end or the other. You choose. Okay, you figured it out. Yeah. You're coming out of this one end or the other. You choose. God says, I have a next step for you. I'd like to encourage you, don't make permanent what God meant to be temporary. So easy to do that. 
so easy to look and say, this is who I am and define ourselves through brokenness and define ourselves through emptiness and define ourselves through our mistakes and this is who I am. Don't do that. Don't make permanent what God intended to be temporary. And really, we live, we're going to live in this contrast. What God's doing in our life will either be well done or well done. It'll either be W-H-A-L-E, well done, or well done, W-E-L-L, done. We choose. Well done or well done, we choose. We make the choice. We have to realize now it's God's time. And God has a next step. So I bring rhetorically that question to your heart. Where are you? Is it time to do business with God? Have you been running from God? Are you like, are you like Jonah? It's easy to be there. God, I have a plan and I'll go in my direction. You're running from God? You'll never outrun him. God has a now moment. And there's hope God has a next. There's something beyond where you're at right now. Three days. Three days. And Jonah cried unto the Lord. So in that in mind, let's pray across this auditorium. With your heads bowed and a private moment between you and the Lord, I'm going to ask you by an upraised hand, twofold invitation. Number one, by an upraised hand. If you're running from God, if you've excused and you've put God off and you've you just said, no, God, I'm not going to do that. For whatever reason, intentionally honored, you're the man overboard. And you know you need to get things right with God. You need to turn around. You need to do business with God. If that's you, if that's you by an upraised hand, I want you to lift your hand on the count of three. Don't wait for somebody else. If, if you're the one, oh, respond to God. Here it is. One, two, three. That's me. Yes. Yes. Thank you for your honesty. Yes, in the balcony. This is the day for you to say, now, God, I give you my all. I give you my all. Second, are there some of us that we feel stuck and we're not taking the next? We know God has a now, but we never stepped into the next. And the next became another month and another month and another year and another excuse and we've never stepped into our next and the Holy Spirit is talking to you it's time to become what God has for you it's time to move on if that's you the count of three you raise your hand one two three that's me pastor yes Thank you so much for your honesty. Let's pray. Father, 
I stand here with these gracious people. I sense from the very beginning there was going to be a prophetic anointing today and God was going to speak into hearts. And some need to do business with God. Some need to return to the Lord, repent. Some need to go, just surrender and, and say, God, I give you my all, and not excusing and just say, Lord, I'm all in now. I repent. I turn to you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to debate and bargain with God anymore. Many of us here in the room, there's a next step that we have moved into. We've spent too long in the belly of the well. We've spent too long in that zone of just saying it's all right. It's not the best, but we'll just get along. And you're stirring, you're speaking a next step to them. And I believe, Lord, you're giving hope people that feel caught in something. There's a next. They're going to come out of this. For the person that is at the lowest, and I sense there was going to be one in the room. They're thinking, God, everybody else would be better off if I wasn't around. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to them. They're at their lowest point in life. And I would ask you to give them assurance. Let them sense your hope. Let them sense your presence. Father, retrieve them from that darkness. And let the light of the Holy Spirit come to their mind and heart. God, do something fresh in them. Holy Spirit, come upon them in a special way. In Jesus' name.